14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a dive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry Aaron. From the Tanglewood Studios on the Baseball 101 Network, this is the Baseball 101 Go 6 Podcast. So welcome to the show. Uh, this is episode 9 of the Go 6 Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Wasslinger. Today we have a very good show for you today. We have uh, the associate head coach of Duke University, Josh Jordan, on with us. And I think you'll find that conversation very enjoyable. We'll do our Major League Baseball talk as well, and we'll also do our playlist song of the week. So got some positive feedback from a listener this morning who was very complimentary about the mental training type of information that we share. And a lot of the information that I share comes from books I read or people I follow. A couple of the more notable ones that I follow are Brian Kane, C-A-I-N. He is a motivational performance coach, works heavily with baseball, softball, UFC, and many other sports. Uh, super inspirational. We recently shared a quote of his where he put all the words together, opportunity is nowhere, and shared the perspective that that could be looked at as opportunity is now here. So that is just a sampling of some of the things that he does, a small sampling because he's just fantastic. So you should Google him, follow him on Twitter, uh, follow him on Instagram, wherever you can follow him, watch videos of his, read books of his. Next one would be John Gordon. He's another, and these guys also have great backstories, so do a little research, find out the backstory of what got them going in their profession, but John Gordon's a super motivational guy, wrote the book The Energy Bus, um, wrote the book that I'm looking at right now, um, Power of Positive Team, and fantastic uh, guy again to follow on social media and several great quotes and our team our program follow and uh, incorporate a lot of the culture that he talks about another great book is called toughness by jay billis i don't think that this has been a um some uh, a super popular book but it was published several years ago, and Jay Billis is a guy who played basketball for Duke, and he also um, was uh, is a color commentator for ESPN College Basketball. Really insightful guy. I think he has a law degree. But he, he wrote a whole book about toughness and what toughness really means. And there's several great quotes in there, so good book to read. Um, good motivational guy. Another motivational guy is P.J. Fleck, F-L-E-C-K, head coach of University of Minnesota football. I shared some of the row the boat concept in a previous episode. If you look him up, Google him, same thing. Fantastic energy, amazing energy, great guy to follow, super inspirational. Videos of his are super inspirational. Uh, another book that I'm reading right now, is or I have read and I'm reading again is called Above the Line by Urban Meyer. 
fantastic football coach, national championships, rings, but the book really doesn't talk about championships and rings. It talks about developing a culture and uh, the type of behavior and mentality you need to do that. So fantastic book. Uh, uh, these types of books are the books you need a highlighter and you need to highlight uh, a lot of different quotes in there and you can share them with others in your team. Uh, another interesting book is called The Seven Secrets of World-Class Athletes. And this is basically um, almost scientifically how your brain functions and how you can get your brain to function and develop and adopt a winning mentality. It's by Steve Yellen, uh, a tennis guy, and Buddy Biancolano, who was a World Series hero back in the day for the Kansas City Royals, a guy who came out of nowhere and had an amazing World Series for the Kansas City Royals. So there are several books out there that um, are super inspirational, both for sports, for coaching, for players, but also for everyday life, help us get through our days. One of the concepts that talk about right now is the concept of greatness and choosing to be great. That is uh, something that we all can choose to do. And a quote from Urban Meyer's book that I just mentioned, exceptional performance is the result of an uncommon level of focus and a discipline in the pursuit of greatness. And I think in this day and age, in order to be a great athlete, great coach, great business person, great mom or dad, great son, uh, and especially the environment we're in right now with the coronavirus thing and who knows how long this is going to last, but we need to decide to be great rather than just be average, rather than just grow through the regular mundane, grind through our daily life. And I think you do that, in my opinion, you do that by affecting positively other people and making a decision to be purposeful every day in what you do and tell yourself, I'm going to affect, I'm going to affect someone positively today. It may be a simple hello it may be encouragement, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, and encouragement's a big one. Encouragement, someone texted me yesterday and said they listened to the podcast and that uh, I should keep it going, that it was, I was doing a really good job and uh, it sounded good. And those kinds of things are just small words of encouragement, and it took that person five minutes to send a text to me to say that. But it really motivated me to keep going with this podcast, and it really warmed my heart that someone would take the time to, to do that. So we need to wake up every day, decide we're not going to be average, choose greatness, affect people in a positive way, and be purposeful in what we do. And we can do that by helping. We can do that by encouraging and being positive and having the positive perspective Opportunity is nowhere or opportunity is now here. And we have the ability to and the opportunity now to maybe read more from these motivational type people, maybe look at ourselves more and try to incorporate some of the things that they talk about, that they live in their lives. And I think that can help us individually get through this. Sometimes we have our down times during this time. Sometimes we have our up up moments. And I think if we shift the focus from ourselves to others, servant leadership type of approach, 
we can really help ourselves and other, others through this crisis. So that's some words of encouragement, some information on motivation today. When we come back, associate head coach of Duke University, Josh Jordan. Stay with us. So welcome back to the Go Six podcast. We are lucky and fortunate to have with us associate head coach of Duke University today, Josh Jordan. And in this climate of um, everybody trying to stay at home and and not uh, not be social with people, we might think that a lot of these coaches have a lot of time on their hands, but in fact, they're probably busier than they ever were. Ever were. So coach, thanks a lot for coming on with us. Really appreciate it. No, Scott, it's it's great to be on, and, and I appreciate you thinking of us here at Duke University and, and having us on as a guest. Great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So let's get right to it. Um, I was at Wesleyan University, Division Three, for a couple of years, so I have a little bit of an idea at that level uh, what it's like to recruit high-level academic students. But given the academic rigor, rigor at Duke, how do you find good players who meet that criteria? Great question, Scott. And, and to be honest with you, we, we, number one, recruit on a national scale. If you look at our current roster, we have 19 different states represented on our current roster. Uh, this coming fall, uh, we're going to have 22 different states represented on our, on our roster. So we recruit on a national scale. And you say, well, how do you, Coach, see those guys enough to understand if they're a good fit for your program or not? And our number one recruiting tool are our camps. Um, the, that's the, 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 the avenue in which we're able to evaluate a young man physically and his physical tools and measure those things. Uh, but that's also an opportunity for us to, to get a chance to sit down in the dugout and, and talk with him or um, get to know him and see how he competes and, and how he is coachable. Uh, so much of our program model is, is about the development piece. Uh, we've had 19 players drafted from our program the last three years. 16 of those young men were undrafted out of high school. And so we're very much about the player development model. And so we also want to know how a young man learns the game and how quickly he can make an adjustment. And so that's where, for us, the camps are still our number one recruiting tool. Yeah, and it sounds like, um, and I know every program is different and every coach has his own philosophy, but it sounds like you guys look at both what a player can become as far as projection and what he currently is coming out of high school. 100%. Uh, 100%. We're, we're big on trying to project a young man because uh, we need our young men to show up on our campus um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's very important that our young men uh, believe in the education we pr pr provide here at Duke University. Uh, and so we're always trying to make sure uh, it's, it's a science. Excuse me, it's an art, not a science. And uh, we're always trying to look at the recruiting class. And, and we have. We've been very fortunate to bring in some guys that have had great Major League Baseball opportunities but at the same time had very hard decisions, uh, and, and meaning, you know, do I come to Duke? And more often than not, fortunately, we, we've been in a position where those young men come to our campus and uh, they look at it and, and, and three years down the road find themselves in a really good position 
in terms of professional baseball. And so projection is key. And so much of projection is actually knowing and learning how much a young man can adjust and, and, and change his game. And, um, you know, aptitude uh, is something that's very important for us, the ability to, to go out and learn the game uh, in the way we teach it. Yeah, sounds like above the shoulders is very, very important, not only from an academic standpoint, but from a from a baseball IQ standpoint and a, just 100%. a mental makeup standpoint. Absolutely, 100%. makeup's huge for us, and and um, you know one of the things that we utilize in the recruiting process is is the high school coach. Uh, maybe we're a little bit old fashioned in that approach, and the fact that uh, we're going to reach out to a young man's high school coach and and find out what he's like uh, Monday through Friday uh, in the classroom and as a citizen there at high school. So, uh, And that's also where we're going to have a greater understanding of what the mental makeup and, and, and those things are, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Coach, I'm a high school senior, or maybe not a senior. I'm not a senior. Let's say I'm a sophomore or junior. I think I'm a pretty good ball player. And um, dream has always been to play at a place like Duke. Um, you get... I'm sure it's no secret. You get a hundred, hundreds of emails. Um, I get a lot of emails, and I'm just at a s- small boarding school in Connecticut, so I can imagine the amount of emails you get. Give me the secret, Coach. How do I, as a player, get Coach Jordan to notice my email amongst maybe the hundreds that you receive? Well, yeah, great question, and I think that's important, um, is how do you get your email to stand out? Uh, number one, uh, it needs to be personal. Um, you know, I would say include the coach's name. Um, you know, when I get an email that says coach, I don't know who all is blind copied on that. Was that, was it 14 different coaches that, that was sent to, or was sure. that me? Uh, and so it's very, very important to be personal. And it's also very important, uh, to be short and concise, um, with your information. Uh, obviously name, contact information, meaning email. Uh, it is always important to use, uh, or excuse me, to include your, your cell phone number. Uh, I think that's imperative. And it's also important to include your social media. Uh, because that's becoming more and more prevalent in the world of recruiting, uh, whatever um, social media outlet you use as a prospect, I would encourage you to include that in the email. Uh, that helps us in a lot of ways at the college level. Uh, and I would just say include the something or some things that stand out for you, that separate you. And again, be short with this. Uh, you know, rather be, uh, you're rather, you're a 6560 guy, uh, with a, with a 4.3, uh, GPA. Uh, include that, uh, and be, be direct and be concise in your information. Lengthy emails, um, you know, th- those are tough to, to digest over the course of, of a day, uh, because of the fact we, we as college coaches, and you alluded to it, Scott, that we have so many things. We wear a lot of different hats and at the college level. We wear a lot of different hats at the high school level. And so uh, we have to be efficient with our time. And uh, so lengthy emails aren't necessarily always the best emails. Uh, and on, to piggyback that, I would always say um, it's always important for me uh, if a young man, once he has emailed me, if he has completed our online questionnaire. Uh, I spend a lot of time with our online questionnaires because the questions that are involved in that questionnaire are things that are important for us. Uh, and, and I always find it interesting when a young man will send me three or four emails and I've submitted an email, uh, excuse me, a questionnaire request of him 
and yet he hasn't gone in and completed our questionnaire. And so uh, I think uh, that's something that maybe has fallen to the wayside over the years in recruiting where young men just don't fill out questionnaires anymore. Well, for us here at Duke University, those are very important. Sure, sure. And would you – what about video? What, do you – what kind of a uh, – what kind of attention do you give to somebody who sends you video? I think video is, is, is good, uh, just like the email. I think it needs to be very short. I think it needs to be concise. Uh, I don't need a long introductory, two-minute intro about uh, hobbies and, and those sorts of things. I need to know um, just obviously your name, you're in school, and where do you go to high school, uh, and then obviously – you know, right behind that video of what you do well. Uh, uh, sometimes I look at videos and, and I get in from, you know, videos and I look and say, geez, that's, that's a tough angle. And um, if you run well, in, include some video of you running the 60. If you're not a great runner, don't include you running the 60. Uh, allow me the opportunity to, to be uh, intrigued by what you show. Uh, and so, uh, you know, show what, what you're good at in those videos. Yeah, and, and my experience sending out a lot of video or helping kids send out a lot of video at the high school level has been that, like you said, short is sweet and, you know, a few swings, uh, a few maybe throws or a few pitches if they're a pitcher, a few ground balls if they're an infielder, but, um, and showing what they do well. But, you know, the important thing I've always thought and I feel like guys like yourself can maybe not judge a player completely from the video because we know you have to see him in person, but you can get a good feel for how somebody moves around. So if there's a, a kid goes to field a ground ball and he may not field it completely clean, um, his movements are probably more what someone like yourself is looking for than actually the results of swings and ground balls. 100%. I, when I see a you use the pitcher as an example, when I see a pitcher – I'm looking at arm action. Uh, I'm looking at how athletic he is, uh, how fluid it is. Um, and then I, I'm typically watching, once the ball relieves the hand, what the catcher, the, the, the young man uh, that may be receiving the pitch, how he handles it. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of guys that send me video with D-Lo, but and, and all five, let's say he includes five fastballs, all five of the fastballs will be, you know, have good velo. Um, but four of the five won't be anywhere near the zone. Well, that's not applicable. I'm watching what the catcher does in terms of I coach our catchers here at Duke University, and so I'm watching the catcher to see if that pitch is, is in, in around the zone. And, uh, and you know, it, sometimes I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that people will send you velos of, yeah, young man was 92, but uh, the catcher was reaching, you know, two and a half feet across the plate to receive it. Um, you know, show yourself throwing strikes. I'm looking at that. I'm evaluating. I'm evaluating your video when you send it to me as a pitcher the same way I would be evaluating your your you on the mound in the springtime and your eight pitches as you're coming into the ball game. I'm evaluating it the same way. That simple. It's not really rocket science. I'm looking over there. Go okay. What's his breaking ball? Can he throw it for a strike? Okay. What's the arm slot? What's the angle? Those sorts of things. And so. Um, that's how I'm evaluating it. It's not any more complicated than that. Yeah, and it seems as though it would be better to, you know, make sure you're hitting the zone in that bullpen that you're throwing in those five or six pitches, 
hitting a few spots, maybe you're 85, 86, and maybe with that video you include in the email, yeah, Coach, a few times this summer I, I topped at 90, 91, but to show you some of the, like you said, the movements, the arm slot, the accuracy, um, the command, and then maybe in the back of your mind as a coach, you know, well, there's some potential there. He can, he can, he can get up there velocity-wise, but, you know, I saw, I saw command here. It sounds like that might be a successful approach from a pitching standpoint. 100%, Scott. You know, below at different times of the year can be at different points, and that's to be expected. Um, you know, I, I, I've coached long enough to know that. Um, and, but at the same time, um, pitchability, it, it shouldn't be that far off in, in any given time of the year, Okay. Uh, and so you're 100% right. What I'm looking for is a guy that can, first and foremost, command the fastball uh, and, and put it in the zone where he wants. Sure, sure, absolutely. We're, so we're, talk, we're looking for command over control. Yeah, um, absolutely, if, if, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as as a coach personally, I mean, I I hate walks. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how, I don't <laughs> know how to, defend. to say it, but they're hard yeah. to defend, Scott. <laughs> I tell my wife that's what'll drive me in, into retirement is is walks. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. But. Um, Switching gears a little bit now, um, and we have parents, coaches, and players, and and some other baseball lovers that listen to this podcast. So from a little bit of an entertainment standpoint, I thought it'd be kind of cool to get some behind-the-scenes info from you. So you guys play in the ACC, and there's a lot of big-time series that you play. Just wondering if you can take us behind the scenes of how you approach a series, let's say at Florida State on the road, um, from maybe your standpoint and the player's standpoint. For example, the days leading up to it, meetings, travel, right up to right up to the time you take BP and, and IO. For sure, yeah, happy to do it. Um, no, you know, uh, so much at this level because once you start the season in the ACC, things move fast. Um, you're moving from one weekend series to the next and those midweeks in between very quickly. And so it's imperative um, for us as a coaching staff to, to be organized not only prior to game one, but prior to that first pitch and prior to that first class of the spring um, year, uh, spring semester, excuse me. And so uh, I say that to say we do a lot of planning in the off season and our guys – know our schedule for the entire spring from, from our first team meeting in the spring uh, when they start that spring semester. Um, they know and what is to be expected. Um, that way they can plan. That helps them. You asked about the academic rigor. That helps them balance the academic rigor of, of the student athlete here at Duke University. And, and our guys do very well in the classroom. Um, we've led the ACC here at Duke University, our athletic department, we've led the ACC in academic honor roll selections 31 of the last 32 years. And, and the reason we've been able to have that kind of success is because of the fact uh, our coaches do an outstanding job in every sport of communicating a plan um, and the schedule for, for their respective sport. And so, and baseball is no different. Uh, so the days leading up to it, our guys know it's imperative, uh, we're, if we're, which we would, we would leave on a Thursday afternoon to head to Tallahassee and, um, you know, our guys know it's imperative to have everything they need to they need heading into that trip done and completed that prior to leaving. Um, and again, they start planning for that in January when we have our first team meeting. 
Um, and we're very fortunate. Uh, we have an academic advisor who also travels with us. And so, um, you know, our guys, if they have class obligations and, and things that need to be turned in or an exam or a quiz that needs to be taken on the road, that, that can be proctored as well. Uh, per se, let's say it was on a Friday morning class, they, uh, our academic advisor can proctor that um, uh, that Friday morning in the hotel. And so we're very fortunate in the fact that we don't leave um, any stone unturned academically prior to leaving campus, uh, making sure our guys have, have everything taken care of from a coaching staff. And we remind those guys um, heading into that series, you know, take care of that, take care of that. That's imperative because you are, you're a student athlete first. So our guys are, are well prepared heading into the series, and then they're well prepared in terms of just an information standpoint from a baseball perspective. Uh, we do an inordinate amount of, of scouting and, and research on our opponents. Uh, we have a lot of different resources um, that, that we have at our disposal to make sure we're putting ourselves in a strong position, and our coaching staff will work diligently uh, in the days leading up to a series uh, making sure that we have information needed to scout our opponent. Um, in today's world, you know, in, in having um, all the SPN platforms and now with our, our conference, the ACC, having the ACC network, so much of your opponent is on television. And so sure. we do a really good job of using video and, and making sure we're scouting out our opponent. So uh, we, before we ever leave on Thursday, uh, we, we know a great deal about our opponent and we're prepared uh, for that Friday academically to make sure that we're in a good position from a student-athlete standpoint. And then uh, we'll get on a plane. Uh, we charter uh, to Tallahassee, and so we get on a plane and land. Uh, our bus will pick us up there at the airport, and then we would head to the stadium that Thursday uh, evening to uh, to practice there at our respective time slot, whatever that practice slot may be. Uh, and then we would head back to the hotel, uh, have a team dinner, uh, in our team room at the hotel, and then we would quickly after that have kind of a, a team meeting just to kind of walk to be, what to, is to be expected heading into that weekend. Uh, and then our guys would get up, and, and we have breakfast that's mandatory on Friday morning, and uh, our guys will have breakfast. And, and our nutritionist travels with us as well, um, and she oversees all the scheduling of our meals, and so she makes sure that our guys are are having their dietary needs taken care of. And, and as we all know, breakfast is, is arguably the most important meal of the day. And so our guys get up and head to breakfast. And then if they have any class obligations, kind of like I alluded to, uh, those would be resolved that, that Friday morning and, and taken care of just as if they would if they, if they were on campus. Uh, and then we'll have a team lunch, a team meeting, and then um, get ready for the game. Um, you know, head for the ballpark, depending, let's say it was a 6 o'clock first pitch, um, head to the ballpark somewhere around 2.30 that afternoon and take our BP, uh, take in and out, and then get ready to throw first pitch at 6 p.m. and then um, hopefully celebrate the W, uh, which we've been very fortunate. You mentioned Florida State. We've, we've won the last three straight series versus Florida State. Um, so, um, again, we've had a lot of success in Tallahassee and um, – and then we'll have, wake up on Saturday morning and kind of do it all over again for Saturday and Sunday. Sure, sure. Great stuff, Coach. Great great inside information. Love to hear that. Um, so 2018, I think it was, Assistant Coach of the Year, National Assistant Coach of the Year, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's correct. Congratulations on that. And Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'm quick so, to point out that's a Duke Award. Uh, that's a, that's a, I'm just honored to receive it. It's um, – 
it, you know, I was given that because of the success of, of of our student athletes and our coaching staff as a whole. I'm very honored to to take that and receive that award on their behalf. Um, it was really a magical year for us in 2018. Yeah, and and nice of you to say, and nice of you to give credit to those guys. And you know, when you get recognized like that, regardless, you have to be doing something uh, right or, or or something that you believe in. Can you share Appreciate your coaching? That. Can you share your coaching philosophy, particularly in as as the role of an assistant, or in your case, the associate head coach? For sure, one hundred percent. First of all, I I, um, I I don't see what I do as a job. Um, I, I genuinely see it as a calling. Um, I I have a lot of conviction about this profession, and um, much like you know a lot of coaches I know. Uh, I was inspired by the guy I played for, uh, and and uh, he was he's a great mentor for me, and um, and he treated it as such, and I kind of saw that and said, wow, this is something that really I'm passionate about as well, and so that's why I got into coaching. And uh, but my philosophy is I I treat it we're in the people business, uh, we just uh, we just coach baseball, and and my job is to develop young men um, both off the field and on the field, and. Uh, I see myself in terms of my philosophy and, and my role as associate coach. My job is to, to basically support everyone else on our staff in any capacity in which I can. Uh, I like to think of myself as a servant leader. We talk about being a servant leader in our program. Uh, my job as associate coach, whatever issue, whatever maybe needs to be done for, in terms of Coach Pollard that he needs help with, I need to be able to jump in and, 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 and be able to do it. On, the, on the, those the same lines, I'm able to help and, and assist Coach Steen, who's our hitting coach and infield coach, and I'm able to assist him with the hitting uh, piece of it. Uh, I oversee our recruiting, um, and so I obviously delegate a lot of responsibility to our other assistants and, and Coach Pollard himself to, in terms of a, a you know, recruiting standpoint. And, and I'm here to assist Coach Blake, who's our pitching coach. I, I'm Again, uh, I coach our catchers. I mentioned that earlier. And my job as the catching coach is to make sure those guys are in the places where they're supposed to be um, helping our pitchers be as best as they possibly can be. And what that means is communication with Coach Blake, our pitching coach, who does an unbelievable job. He's, in, in my opinion, the best pitching coach in the ACC. And uh, he does an unbelievable job. And my role in that capacity is to make sure that our catchers are where they're supposed to be so they can facilitate our pitching staff. And so um, – and the same thing with Chris Gordon, who's our, our director of baseball operations. Uh, he's, he oversees our analytics. Uh, he does an unbelievable job, really brilliant in, in that facet. And, um, and, you know, I help him with that in terms of whatever he may need. So my job as associate head coach is simply to help our other coaches be as good as they can possibly be. And, and so there's no job, you know, too small or beneath me. Uh, I, I need to be able to do anything, set up for BP, break down for BP, uh, obviously oversee recruiting visits, any of those things that, that fall under that broad umbrella and, uh, that make all of our assistance and make our program better. That sounds fantastic. It sounds like kids would be putting themselves in a really good spot if they were able to get into that environment. Um, yeah, we, we definitely coach for the, um, you know, people ask what is Coach Pollard's, our, our head coach, what is his coaching style? He's very much a player's coach. Uh that doesn't mean they make all the decisions. That just means that they have a strong voice in our program, and, and he's a good listener, and that's what makes him a great leader. And I get asked a lot. I've been with him for 15 years now, and, you know, how how have you worked for Coach Pollard? You've been with him for 15 years. Why do you 
uh, or how have you been able to and wanted to stay with him so long? And I say it's because of the way he treats our, our student-athletes. Uh, I really believe in the way we develop and the way we listen and, and facilitate growth in our student-athletes. I'm 100% bought in on that, and, and uh, you know, that makes it a good work environment. Sure, absolutely. So, Coach, we appreciate your time today. One last question for you. Yeah. A little yeah. off track, but I had to ask. Um, it's the last one. You've been in Durham since 2012. Yes, can, you sh- can you share your coolest Coach K story? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, great, or, or great interaction. question. Or interaction. Yeah, great question. Right. Great question. Um, obviously, I, we just got done talking about the people business and, and coaching baseball. I think there's no greater leader in, in team athletics, uh, in my opinion, than Coach K. Um Obviously, and I think he'd be the first to tell you he's in the people business as well, the way he's able to connect um, with everyone that he comes in, in contact with is pretty remarkable. And that's a great segue actually into my story. And probably it was my first year here at Duke University and, and uh, my actually my first interaction really uh, with Coach K. We had a young man visiting um, and we took him by just to, to watch a little bit uh the basketball practice that was going on that afternoon and coach K was gracious enough to come over and actually introduce himself to the young man and his family and um, talking there in that conversation. And it just goes to show you the, the, the ability to connect with people that coach K has is in that same conversation with that young man, he mentioned um, my friend, George H. Bush, um, and and Jay-Z in the same basically 15-minute conversation. You're talking about two guys that may be a little bit different, but Coach K is able to connect with both of those. Um, it's pretty cool, pretty cool. And he's he's obviously, again, in my opinion, um, the best team coach that's been in, in athletics. And so um, we're very fortunate here at Duke University to be surrounded by great head coaches. Uh, coach K, obviously, but Coach Cutcliffe, our head football coach, does an unbelievable job. And, um, that's not even to mention Coach Danowski, our head lacrosse coach. And, again, uh, that's one of the things that, that's really in, enjoying about this, um, this, this athletic department is, you know, this is an athletic department that uh, celebrates uh, success, and we're surrounded uh, as an athletic staff around other great coaches. And so uh, it's really a lot of fun. But that's a good Coach K one. Yeah, that was my first year here at Duke. He was uh, gracious enough to spend some time with one of our recruits and thought it was really interesting, him mentioning George Bush and, and Jay-Z in the, basically the same conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so we know that um, everybody's really busy right now. Like I said, people may not think so, but um, – you know, my son, my youngest son, for one, plays Division One baseball and is in, involved in a fifth-year situation. And his coaches, his current coach, is is navigating that. And I know you guys are super busy trying to figure all that out. So we really appreciate uh, the time today. It's it's a definite for me hearing you speak about the program that if a high school student athlete, prep school student athlete, has the ability, uh, both athletically and academically and even socially and a good mindset and was able to play in your program, they'd be putting themselves in a fantastic position, not only as far as baseball goes, but just life, life's lessons and being around coaches that uh, seem to really have it figured out. So, Coach, we really appreciate you uh, coming on, and we'll do this again soon. 
Scott, thank you so much for having us again. It's um, this is obviously a tough time for our country, and and I want to take time to thank uh, everyone out there in the healthcare industry, uh, all our first responders, everyone that's working really hard uh, to to help our country get through this tough time. Um, and again, just even you know, uh, with all the things that are going on, it's I encourage us all to practice gratitude and, and making sure we're grateful for all the things we do have. And, uh, Scott, thank you for having me. And one of the things I'm, I'm grateful for is the game of baseball. and appreciate you letting me have time to talk about it. My pleasure, Coach. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot, Scott. So that was Josh Jordan, associate head coach from Duke University. They had a magical year last year. Uh, and you can see, wow, why some people are super successful. And he... You can just tell on his voice, that's what he was born to do. He has passion. He's intentional. He's enthusiastic. So no surprise that they're having success down there in Durham and really pleased to have him on the show. When we come back, Major League Baseball Talk. Hey, remember, you can email us at go6podcast.yahoo.com. That's go, the numeral six, podcast at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FrozenRope8. That's at FrozenRope8. And either of those things, you can comment, you can ask questions, you can give a shout out to your team or buddies on your team or whoever. Um, and we'd love to incorporate that into the show. Also, if you're listening on the Anchor podcast or the Apple podcast, you can tap the message button and leave an audible message for us, and we will incorporate that into the show. Again, comment, question, shout out to your team, whatever. The listener interaction is something that's uh, been really great with this podcast so far, so we're hoping to keep that going. So thanks for that. And if you're listening, make sure you tell a friend so we can continue to grow. Now it's time for our segment, Major League Baseball Talk, conversation and commentary about the league where they play for pay. So while we are yearning for baseball to return, my mind drifted to stadiums the other day and how great it will be to get back into a ballpark and see a game or coach a game, but stadiums came to mind, and I thought I'd share with you my favorite five stadiums in the major leagues. This is just based on ones that I've been to. I have heard that, um, I'm not sure what they call it now, it used to be Pac Bell in San Francisco, is a phenomenal ballpark, probably the best of all from many people I have spoken to. However, I haven't been there. So I'll just mention some of the few that I've been to and um, start with Fenway Park. Fenway Park, when I first went there 
as a 17 or 18 year old. I could not believe it. It was in such a cool neighborhood approaching the park. You didn't even know it was a ballpark. It seemed like an old brick building, an old brick warehouse. And the next thing you know, we walked in through a brick entryway and some gates and it was so old even back then. That was in 78 or 79 when I made my first trip there. And just unbelievable, the brick and the old throwback, not even throwback, it's just an old stadium that they continue to keep up with and refurbish a little bit just to make sure it's it's workable. But that, although I'm not a Red Sox fan, well documented on that one, but that is an amazing ballpark. And I think what makes it amazing is the surrounding area, the surrounding neighborhood, the New England feel for it, the uh, the Green Monster, the dimensions that aren't um, symmetrical, the Boston fans, it's the history of the Red Sox. Just an amazing ballpark, and the first real old one I had ever been to, so thought that was really great. Second one would be Oriole Park at Camden Yards. They built that in 92, I think it was, and they tried to emulate some of the old ballparks, and they did a fantastic job of it. Once they built that park, that was the first retro park. So in the 70s, in early 80s, there was a lot of round, circular, cookie-cutter type stadiums. And Oriole Park at Camden Yard was one of the first ones that they decided to make it look like an old ballpark, retro ballpark. And after that, several teams, several organizations have followed suit since then to give their new ballparks much more character. So the tipping point was Oriole Park at Camden Yard, and that's an amazing ballpark. Again, the neighborhood outside the stadium is part of what makes it. The warehouse in right field, just the touches that make you really feel like you're in an all-time ballpark. The Orioles had some pretty good years in that ballpark, not doing very well now, but really a great place to go see a game, not really a bad seat anywhere. Um my wife, who's not a huge baseball fan, loved Oriole Park at Camden Yards, loved the ease of getting in there, and loved watching a game there. So that would be my second one. Third one would be Wrigley Field. Again, the neighborhood makes it amazing neighborhood around the north side of Chicago. Uh, the ivy on the outfield wall is iconic up until I forget what year it was. They only played day games there. So that ballpark is super old like Fenway and has maintained its feel for old-time throwback-type baseball. Really a phenomenal place. Uh, all three of these that I mentioned so far are grass infields. So uh, really enjoyed Fenway. When I went, I sat, or uh, uh, really enjoyed Wrigley. When I, when I went, I sat in center field bleachers and actually had someone accidentally pour some beer on the guy I was sitting next to. So it was a typical Wrigley afternoon day, and it was pretty amazing. Fourth one would be City Field. 
the new, relatively new, six or seven years old now, Mets ballpark. Shea Stadium was sort of a cookie-cutter, round, circular ballpark. They did a really good job with City Field. They incorporated a lot of old um, things that came from the Brooklyn Dodgers, and it's really a comfortable old-time stadium as opposed to like Yankee Stadium, which I haven't been to the new Yankee Stadium, but Yankee Stadium I hear is very palatial, not super comfortable, where City Field is super comfortable, great retro feel, and uh, have they've done a good job of incorporating some things from old New York, Brooklyn Dodger baseball into that stadium. So also a Mets fan, so really glad and happy with how the organization decided to build a new stadium. The last one would be Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium is awesome. It's another old one. It is somewhat circular, but you have the pavilions out in the outfield, grass field. What's unique about that ballpark is each level of the ballpark walks out to a different level of parking. So it's pretty unique in that aspect. Of course, the weather, I always felt as a player that if I was ever going to play in the major leagues, which is every young baseball player's dream, I would like to play in California and Dodger Stadium because of the weather, because of Dodger Stadium, the Dodger Blue, the Dodger Dog, up until recently, Vin Scully. Dodger Stadium is fantastic, and hopefully they just continue to make improvements and and don't build a new one because that's a, a real uh, iconic place in California, Dodger Stadium. So those are five stadiums that I've really enjoyed. There's many that I left off. And um, make sure you contact the show via Twitter, email, whatever, to let us know. We'll expand on this and talk about more stadiums, both Major League and otherwise, in the future. There's a great website called Digital ballparks.com digitalballparks all one word.com where you can search up some stadiums and see pictures of many many stadiums that pe- people I guess take pictures and post uh, those pictures on this website so you can find many stadiums there's stadiums that I played at as a player small ballparks small minor league ballparks in remote areas that were really great quaint type places that I was able to find when I did a search on this digitalballparks.com. So stadiums, ballparks, great to think about during this time, helping us get motivated and hopeful that we'll be able to get out to some of these parks soon. That's Major League Baseball Talk. So the playlist song of the week is a song that we suggest every week that you add to your playlist. And I've said this before, but I'll mention it again. We can't play it on our podcast because of copyright restrictions, but we like to suggest a song every week that maybe you can go Google or download from wherever you get your music from. So reached into the pop world for this one. This is a song called There's Nothing Holding Me Back by Shawn Mendes. It was released as a single on April 20th, 2017. Before that, it was included in a second studio album, Illuminate, in 2016. It actually reached 
the top 10 in several countries, including the U.S. and the U.K. that year. It's an upbeat song, really good, I think, for working out. Also really positive, puts you in a good frame of mind. So Google it wherever you get your music, add it to your playlist, and be inspired. That's Sean Mendez. There's nothing holding me back. So that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Please tell somebody else about the podcast so we can continue to grow. Stay tuned because we'll continue to do our short special edition podcasts in between the weekly podcasts. So I'm going to keep at it, try to get 1% better, and can't wait to be with you next time.